Hi, everybody. It's Miriam Goldberg speaking, continuing the series that we started yesterday on the six constant mitzvot and a chizok b'tfilah, tfilah made practical. Yesterday we spoke about the six constant mitzvot, the makor, the source for them, and today, Mirza Hashem, we are going to delve into them a little bit further and see how to apply them or how to start applying them to our daily lives. So I'd like to start out with a tefillah. And again, this tefillah is brought down from the Avodah Sapnim. It's um, actually, it appears in the book You Can Learn Bitachon, and anyone who would like can email me for it. I have it soft copy. Ribona Shalom, I entreat you dearly. Help all Yidin and among them me. I put my trust in none but you. I hope to no one but to you alone. My help will come from no one but you. Without your help, one cannot even step over the threshold of the door. Without your strength, one cannot even move. I rely on no one but you. Your mercy and kindness are without measure. Ribona Shalom, we depend on you each and every moment. And every step we take and every move we make. When things are, heaven forbid, difficult and also when they go well. Ribono Shalom, I entreat you dearly, help me guard my eyes and properly weigh my speech. Let my heart be bad before you, may all my deeds be fitting and proper. So the exercise that I gave you yesterday was to try to remember what the six constant mitzvot are. And just doing a very quick recap, the first is Amuna, the second is Lo the third is Yichod Hashem, the fourth is Ahavas Hashem, the fifth is Yiras Hashem, and the sixth is Lo Sasuru. And we said yesterday that Lamaisa, these four constant, these six constant mitzvahs could really be applied to our lives, also to our married lives with our spouse. And as we progress, we're going to see how to apply it or how it is applicable to our relationship with a spouse. But in the meantime, it's understanding that every time that we tap into these six constant mitzvahs, we are gaining an actual mitzvah. This is a mitzvah's assay. And so when we think about the other 613, the remaining uh, 613 mitzvahs, or maybe uh, we should say the 607 mitzvahs, is that those mitzvahs have a time and place and these mitzvahs are constant. They're tmidi. And every single moment when we're connecting to those to these six constant mitzvahs, we are gaining an active mitzvah. So I heard this Rebetzin say very beautifully that the same way we're surrounded by the six ruchos, the six directions, we have up, down, we have forward and back, and we have right and left. That is the same way that these six constant mitzvahs have to be surrounding us from all directions, so that we know that we are always protected. And Robertson um, uh, Neustadt compared it to the Ari Miklat. So we know that when there was a Roteach B'mezid, someone who murdered intentionally, they needed to run, uh, sorry, unintentionally, they needed to run to an Ir Miklat. The Ir Miklat was their only way to gain protection. And once they arrived at this Ir Miklat, they had special protection that they were not allowed to be uh, taken revenge on. No one was allowed to retaliate. None of the offspring or none of the relatives of the deceased, of the person who was killed. And so they received a special protection that would um, that would surround them in these Are Miklad. And really the same is with us, is there were six Are Miklad. These are our six Are Miklad. So that whenever we're going through anything, a challenging moment or even a happy moment, any situation that we're in, we are constantly always running to these Ari Miklat. We're constantly connected. Very differently than other challenges that Hashem puts us through. Let's say 
if Hashem challenges us in a situation where we were insulted by someone we feel like speaking Lashon Hara, or if someone wasn't so nice to us and Chassam, we feel like not being so nice back. And these things happen to us because we're human, and that's why Hashem gives us all of these commandments, because if we didn't have all these natural emotional feelings, then He wouldn't need to command us, but that's, it's in us. We're, we're humans, and we're not malachim. So those many times take require effort, and sometimes they're even painful, holding myself back, not saying that word of Lashon Hara about someone. These really require a very different midah. They require a very different muscle. They require subservience. The, the character trait or the midah which we are going to tap into through these mitzvahs is the Ladav Kabo, is connecting to Kaddish Baruch Hu as an Eved. And anyone who heard the recording that I left, it's on last last Sunday. So if you revert back, not to yesterday, but to the week before, you'll hear that I spoke about the subservience. I called it Hispatlas, because that's what the Mechta Maliyah refers to it as. And the Hispatlas is really becoming subservient to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's nullifying my opinion, my Ratzon, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Ratzon. It's agreeing to Hashem's Ratzon. And so Rav Berkowitz, who I am basing most of my, uh, most of the Shir on, or most of the series on, compares it in his Sefer, in the Sefer which was actually um, written based on his lectures, based on his Shirim, he compares it to driving. So when we're driving, when we take driving lessons, we think that we're driving in the beginning. I remember my first driving lesson. I was behind the wheel, and my driving teacher sat right next to me on um, in the passenger seat, but he also had a set of pedals. And when I say he kept on touching my steering wheel, so at the end of the day, even though I felt so exhilarated as if I had just driven, but at, ultimately at the end of the day I knew that I hadn't done anything. Why? Because there was no way that he was going to let me the first time sitting in a driver's seat drive on my own. He was really steering and he was pressing down on the brakes and on the gas when necessary and just giving me that feeling of as, as if I w- was driving. As my lessons progressed, as time went on, I realized more and more how much skill set it actually takes to drive. So you have to be noticing a lot of things. You're noticing the road in front of you. You're noticing the road behind. You learn how to look into your rearview mirror. You're learning how to read the signs on the road. You're noticing pedestrians. I remember when I took my test and the proctor asked me if I um, knew where the windshield wiper what, how, to, how to turn on the windshield wiper, and I did not. It was the first time that it had started raining since I started my driving lessons, and Baruch Hashem, I didn't end up failing the test. But it took me it took me a couple of moments just fumbling around to try to figure it out. So you're really learning a lot of things. Now, once you start driving for real, and once you become become a seasoned driver, you really you're already in practice, and it becomes almost like second nature to you. So much so that there are many people that really enjoy driving, and can actually multitask while they're driving. So they're looking around while they're driving, or they're having a conversation, or they could listen to a shir. The driver who took me to Bnei Brak would actually eat her supper on the way, which was not so comforting to me, but okay. And all these things are going on. The driver is multitasking. The driver many times is actually enjoying the ride. And 
with that being said, they are keeping in mind all of these different things in their subconscious. And this is really what Rukowitz says is applying the sex constant mitzvot. He says that this is a really, really good muscle because in order to apply the six constant mitzvot, we are not going to stop our entire life and just focus on them. What we're trying to do is we're trying to create a mindset. We're trying to create an awareness. And these awarenesses, he says, should become so ingrained in our psyche that they are reflected in all of our actions so that anything that we're doing is really just being a reflected, uh, a reflected action of these awarenesses of the six constant mitzvot, the same way that if you know what the, these different signs on the road mean, the different warning signs, you're taking into, that into account while you're driving. Or if you're listening to Sheer while you're driving, you're still paying attention to the road. And so these awarenesses, these six constant mitzvot, are really dictating our entire life. They're ensuring that all of our actions are, are being carried out, are being executed with, these, with this mindset, with these awarenesses. And then once we have these awarenesses, and once they're so ingrained in us, then really they become second nature to us. And it's not an active thought, it's just, it's a mindset, it's an awareness, it's our drive. And that's really what we're trying to do. And we're constantly looking in front and we're looking behind and sometimes we also have to take that refresher test that they make you do. I think here in Eretz Israel it's mandatory maybe after you get your license six years, five or six years later. They just want to make sure that you're still a seasoned driver and so they test you. And Hashem is constantly testing us on the road and the lessons that we learn in life are the greatest lessons. HaKadosh uh, Baruch Hu wants us to enjoy. He wants us to enjoy the ride. But in order to enjoy the ride, we have to feel comfortable and confident behind the steering wheel. How do we feel comfortable and confident? If we really learn the rules and if we practice. And so many times women say to me, so how do I practice this? Hashem gives us many, many, many opportunities to practice. Right now what we're going through, this whole corona pandemic, this corona challenge, as we have so many different opportunities, we'll call them, to really apply and to exercise these muscles and to learn how to drive for real, not just in a sterile environment where we're learning in theory and then we're somehow going home and trying to find different exercises to put into practice. No, as you're listening to this, you're trying to think to yourself, okay, so now that I know what these six constant mitzvahs are, we just know the names, hopefully over the next few weeks we are going to actually delve into them to see what they mean and how to practically apply them. But now that you know what they are, you're trying to create these awarenesses, create a mindset for yourself so that everything that we do, every movement that we make from the most deliberate movement to the most mechanical movement will really be governed by these six constant mitzvot, but without us needing to stop and actively think about them. So how do we do this? So he brings another example. Rivercourt brings another example. He says really gravity. If we think of gravity, gravity is intuitive, right? So you're not constantly thinking about gravity before you're putting something down or you're, before you're throwing something up and then being surprised when it lands on the floor and crashes we have it as something that is so ingrained in us. It's something that we were we were taught from a very, very young age. We actually experimented with this as babies, as, as toddlers, as infants. And then as we grew up, we just know it. It's, it's just in us, gravity. 
So that is almost how we need to really ingrain the six constant mitzvot in us. And some people say, okay, so gravity is something that we understand. That's something physical that we understand. That's an intuitive phenomena. But there's, the six constant mitzvot are so much more complex. And that is true. The six constant mitzvot are complex. And even so, we really still want to try to enjoy the ride. And what we're doing is, as we said, we're trying to take ourselves from that I, from the capital I, and bring that to the Ain owned Milvado. This is an I generation, and I think that that is going to change in such an extreme way and is already changing, and people are already so grateful for what they do have. And hopefully, in Eretz Hashem, we're really trying to move this into the realm of Ain owned Milvado. It's not the I, and we're resetting that I, HaKadosh Baruch because we're trying to learn HaKadosh Baruch We are trying to L'dav Kabul. L'dav Kabul means Mahu Af'ata, is constantly trying to emulate HaKadosh Baruch Hu in everything that we do. And these six constant mitzvot are going to help us emulate HaKadosh Baruch Hu and really come to a L'dav Kabul. So how do we change? How do we change? We know this. We, we may have even learned the six constant mitzvot in the past. So how do we really come to become a new person, a changed person, a growing person, even if we knew all of these things before intellectually? So now when we say, and we say, so that's an intellectual understanding, we are really trying to bring it into the heart. And so Rukowitz tells a story over of uh, brought down from a Vichatzka from Levenstein, who was a Meshkech at the Mir and later in Panovich, and he said that he was once being driven by a, cab, a secular cab driver, and the secular cab driver was telling him that after the army, they went for their uh, tiul, for their trip. They, many of these soldiers, after they're discharged from the army, they go on like an annual uh, a yearly tour to some exotic vacation spot, and um, he and his friends decided that they would vacation in Africa. And one night, the boys heard screeches and screaming from the tent right nearby. And they ran to the tent, and there they saw their friend being um, being squeezed by a boa constructor around his neck. And this boa constructor was in, had enveloped the boy, and it seemed like their, their friend was actually going to die. So one of the friends cried out to him and said, Say Shema Yisrael, you're a Yid. And that's what a Yid says. And the soldier said, but I don't know how to say Shema Yisrael. So the soldier said to him, the, the former soldier said, just repeat after me. And he cried out, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And this boy cried out, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And as he finished the word Echad, the snake, this boa constructor, unwound itself from the boy and slithered away. And so this cab driver says to Ruchatskalevichtin, that miracle changed my friend's life. The cab driver had been there. He was an onlooker. He was a friend, a friend of the boy who was almost choked to death. And so Ruchatskalevichtin said, wow, so what happened with your friend? He said, well, my friend after that became a full-fledged Batshuva, and he lives in one of the from neighborhoods, from uh, areas, from neighborhoods, in Eretzisvah. And so Ruchatzka Levinshin said to him, and what about you? So the cat driver said to him, the Rav doesn't understand. That miracle happened to my friend and not to me. So I think the story speaks for itself, is that sometimes we see things and we don't, we don't take them to heart. We sort of put like a distance or we disconnect from what we're seeing 
and then what we internalize. And honestly, that story could even happen to us. And we could say, okay, it was a mikra, or that was a one-time occurrence, or that was just a happenstance. We have to realize that everything that happens to us is coming from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and we have to try to want to internalize it. And that is the Ratzon, and I speak about this many times, is a Ratzon, it's the same letters as a tzinor, is that that really helps us bring down a shefa into our life. And the six constant mitzvot are going to help us develop an emotional bond with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not just mechanical emotions, because the mechanical emotions cannot build up a relationship. And this really is segueing. I just, I'm thinking about this now. This is segueing into my tefillah segment, which I'd like to continue. And the tefillah segment that we spoke about yesterday was, so why do we daven? And we said the purpose of tefillah is connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And I had an adorable Kala who once said to me, she was in her generation, and she said she comes home from work and she's so exhausted. And all she could do is just like sit down and stare into space. I said to her, well, really, this is the time to be schmoozing with your husband and, and conversing with him, develop conversation with him, communication. And she said to me, but why can't I just have him sit right by my side and I'll do my own thing and he'll do his own thing and we'll create a bond that way. And I said to her, it doesn't work. In order to create communication, relationship, we need to verbally communicate. That is the Hashminius Kolech. The same way HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to develop relationships in this world through communication, verbal communication, that is the Ruach Mamalala. That is how he wants us to develop the relationship with him. And this relationship has to be an emotional bond, emotional relationship. So can you imagine if the only relationship that you have with your spouse is a shopping list relationship, literally a shopping list. You wake up in the morning, you say to them, okay, now that we're in the pre-Pesach mode, right, we're getting there, hopefully, you say to them, okay, this is what I need you to be doing today. I need you to go out shopping. I need you to cover the countertops. I need you to do a sponge up. And that's pretty much where your communication or your relationship with your spouse starts and ends. That is a non-existent communication. That is, yes, a verbal communication, but that's not HaKadosh Baruch Hu's intention. The Ruach Mamalala is an emotional bond, an emotional relationship, an emotional connection. It doesn't mean that we don't have a technical relationship and te- technical co- uh, communication connection with our spouse that we also need. Obviously, that is part and parcel of a relationship, and that is an integral part of our relationship. However, that is not the foundation or the most fundamental part of our relationship. In order to build up a real, true, everlasting relationship with a spouse, we need to have an emotional connection, an emotional bond, which comes through emotional verbal communication. And that is the same way with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So when women were asking me, so what are we davening for? And I think I mentioned this a bit yesterday. Yes, we're davening for Hashem to take away the, the Taurus. And it's a Taurus for Christ on the Taurus for entire world and our own personal source. But if that's where our relationship starts and ends with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then we have missed the point. Then we missed the boat. Because Hashem wants an emotional connection, an emotional relationship. So let's take it a step further. So then why even daven for those things? If Hashem wants us to have an emotional relationship with Him, why daven for a shopping list? Why ask Him for the shopping list? 
So the Zohar Kadosh says that if we didn't ask Kadosh Baruch for our needs, we would turn elsewhere. We would think that our Parnassah might come from a spouse or from a boss or from a Rosh Kola, if you have a Kola that's still paying, etc. And then we would err, we would make a mistake in our thought process. And that would lead to a Kafira, that would lead to heresy. So in order to remind ourselves that everything, but everything from the smallest things to the biggest things come from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, therefore we turn to Hashem and we beg Him for our shopping lists. In addition to that, as we are reminding ourselves that it is only Him, and in order for us not to make that mistake and turn to someone else, and therefore we turn to Him, we are also strengthening our emuna. So we're actually doing a twofold avoda when we turn to Kaddish Baruch Hu with a shopping list. Is number one, we're making sure that we know who the address is, that it's only coming from him, and that we're not making a mistake that's coming from someone else. And we are strengthening our emunah. So it's almost like a sur meirah and an asetov, a two-in-one. We are reminding ourselves that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is kol yachol, and everything is in his hands. So I'm going to stop here because my intention was a 10-minute, 10 10-15 minute message. So in Hashem, I really hope to record myself tomorrow. Tuesday, which is right before Yantif, and if not, then the recording will be Matze Yantif. I will record on Tuesday as well. So, call to the Sarasthavas.